0: rick madison rick and friends and you know what this is one of those days where i get a little giddy because i got to talk to my friend from polaris uh him and i have done some rides and and it was one of those things where you know when you're doing a ride and and you're seeing all the scenery and you're like man i i really think there's there's a lot of stuff we can chat about so again i i sent the info invite out to him and he uh he accepted. So here we are. Uh, welcome Corey Davidson, District Manager of Polaris Industries to the big show.
1: Thanks, Rick. Looking forward to being here.
0: Okay. So now listen, uh, you can be a little off color because this is streaming. Okay. So if you need to weigh in on anything, you know, we're, we're ready for you. Um, let's talk about Polaris uh, and let's talk maybe first, what what is this company and and what do they produce? So let's go there. To
1: a lot of people, when they hear Polaris, the first thing they think of is snowmobiles. If they don't think of the bottled water, which is not Polaris. We have no affiliation with that, of course, but the Polaris industries I work for is about a $7 billion company. Uh, about 65% of our product is off-road vehicles and uh, 10% of it is Indian motorcycles, which some people don't realize Polaris actually produces Indian motorcycles and then we also have a boat line as well. So, pretty diversified company based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And you've worked there for how long? Just over 20 years this this month. Now.
0: Congratulations. 20 years of selling toys is fun. So, <laughs> now tell me what a district manager does. So, you look after multiple dealerships, I would imagine? Work with 16
1: different dealerships across B.C. Uh, when I started 20 years ago, I had the small territory of Northwest Territories, the Yukon, Southern Alberta, and B.C. But as as we began to uh, sell more product, we begin to shrink our territories a little bit and now get to work with 16 different independent dealerships across British Columbia and try and help them get the right products out to the people so they can get out there riding.
0: So what, what part do you play? So if I have a dealership in... You know, let's say uh, Prince George. What role do you play with me as a dealership? So, what? How do you help me sell more goods, or how do you help me with my dealership?
1: Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> that's why I ask it. <laughs> Depends. Some days I'm the great guy because I tell him that. Guess what? Your load of brand new razors is going to show up tomorrow, and. The next day they call me up and they scream at me because guess what? The load of snowmobiles I'm waiting for isn't showing up. So somewhere in between there as a manufacturer rep, uh, work to promote sales processes within the dealership, work to educate the dealer staff on our product and really work to try and make that match between the consumer and the dealership, uh, you know, bring that relationship together. So that's... That would be the focus and you know, meanwhile, presenting and representing Polaris, obviously with regards to the business outside, uh, with the manufacturer, different manufacturers and working within different associations, British Columbia Snowmobile Federation, ATBBC, So represent Polaris in the, in those aspects.
0: So it does behoove, uh, Polaris to have somebody of your ilk Representing the brand because, again, the dealership gets to uh, take advantage of your knowledge of the product as well as sales process and and just uh, dollars and cents and balance sheets and all that kind of stuff.
1: It's an interesting industry in that a lot of our consumers know more about the product than the salespeople in a dealership, and a lot of the salespeople in a dealership know more about the product than I do because the enthusiasts that drive this industry, in some instances, are right down to every bolt on a machine. They'll, they'll be able to tell you what size it is and where it goes and far, you know, far beyond the scope of what others will dig into. Uh, but it's a, it's a really interesting industry where you go right from dealing with new folks in the industry to, as I say, enthusiasts that, uh, know far more about the machines and, and utilization of them that, than a lot of the people in the dealerships and myself will, you know, ever know. So that's where the word fan came from—is fanatic. Fanatic is a very good word
0: for for some of our uh, some of our customers, which is great to see. So you know, even though it seems like a simple question, maybe it isn't. An off-road vehicle. So let's talk about what an off-road vehicle is, and then we'll talk about maybe where it can go and all that kind of stuff. But give me give me an example of an off-road vehicle.
1: We have. From Polaris' standpoint, we look at them from off-road vehicles, we have our utility vehicles that we you'll see running around in the Municipality of Kelowna, actually uses Polaris Rangers, so little four-wheel dump box vehicles that run around. Uh, that's our Ranger is what we call it in our lineup, but it's a utility vehicle in the industry. There's a recreational vehicle out there that a lot of people refer to as a Razor, so if you hear people going out Razoring, what that is is a sport version of the four wheel, you know, little four wheel buggy out there that goes running around and has a lot of fun up on the mountains that we go play on, uh, that would be the razor. And then also snowmobiles obviously are included in that as an off-road vehicle. So those are the the categories. Uh, and then let's not forget of course, the ATVs, which is what a lot of people attribute that to. And that is the sit on version where you're sitting, you know, straddling the seat, uh, with the handlebars. That's an, a, that's an ATV.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Across BC, is it more utility or is it more fun, would you say? If, if you were to break up the consumer base. It's it- about a 50-50 mix, quite honestly. Um, we see,
1: you know, in my territory, we'll have retail roughly a 1,000 ATVs in British Columbia. We'll retail roughly a 1,000 side-by-sides. And again, side-by-sides is where you break down into Ranger being utility and Razor being more recreation sport. Um, so you put those together and you have a couple thousand pieces right there and then add in snowmobiles, which is worth about a thousand pieces to us as well. So it's a real equal split when you look across the industry.
0: And is there, um, with, you know, forest fires kind of being top of mind, I would imagine some of your machines are being used right now in in different efforts across the the province.
1: Ironically, we have... Units sitting on standby at many dealerships by the different fire districts waiting to utilize them if, and when needed for forest fires. So we, we do support that in a big way, uh, utility vehicles have really changed the way that the industry fights forest fires.
0: So we're in Canada, right? And we have this big brother to the south, which is the U S and Polaris is, uh, based out of where? Based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. So the
1: origin of Polaris is actually a small town of Roseau, Minnesota, which is closer to Winnipeg than it is to Minneapolis, uh, about two and a half hours south of Winnipeg
0: and home of Dustin Bufflin, <laughs> just in case you need to know that. <laughs> uh, now is it truly one of those things where as we know the the population of the. US dwarfs Canada, is it kind of the same or are Canadians that fanatical type that buy more than the population suggests? Cause we are, you know, literally California has more people than we do, but is, is are Canadians like a, a big fan base of Polaris?
1: We account for a very small percentage of the Razor Ranger ATV sales versus the US. We're about 10%, which matches up to a lot of what the market shows in, in other industries. Where we do shine is ironically in snowmobile sales. Because we have a lot of snow and California doesn't. So we count for almost half of the snowmobile sales in Canada. Really? For, in okay. the industry. Yep. Canadians buy about half the snowmobiles that are made uh, in North America.
0: If, if somebody's not in the uh, the snowmobiling world, and, and many are, are not, um, what would you say to them to maybe possibly even look at it? Like what, what kind of, if you had a 30, 30 second elevator pitch, What would you tell someone who's just looking marginally at at what, you know, winter sledding would look like? At first to
1: people that are intimidated by snowmobiling, it's because they don't understand the recreation of it until they really get out and experience it. Uh, It is an intimidating sport. It is an intimidating activity, but it's amazing to see the growth of the snowmobiling industry, particularly in the last couple of years, Uh, I think as people were locked up inside and began to watch every show on Netflix and find the end of the internet, uh, they started to find a reason to, or look for a reason to get out and recreate. And snowmobiling is amazing as a family sport, as a group sport. It really brings people together. Uh, In British Columbia, we have about 45,000 registered riders. Uh, the register with the British Columbia snowmobile Federation. And that has grown exponentially in the last three years, as well as the growth in the female rider market is the biggest growing market that we have. Uh, female riding has really taken off and you start to see when you get out on the Hills and you start to see the social aspect of snowmobiling, that's really what brings people together. And the more people that we're bringing that are new into the industry, the more it begins to grow because as I've taken you out and you've seen the fun of it, uh, you know, you tell other people and all of a sudden I have other people that want to go with snowmobiling and it's great. It, It really gets you out there. Uh, wonderful thing obviously about snowmobiling too, is you go up there, you play in the snow and snow melts and goes away. And it's like you haven't even been there. So the, you know, those people that can question some of the environmental impacts of some of the recreational activities that are going on out there, you know, a lake skiing, a lake, uh, anything else, winter, you can go out there and play in the snow when the snow melts and
0: nothing's changed. A lot of them are unfun people. <laughs> <laughs> so we had this little thing uh, last couple of years, uh can't remember the name of it, Rovid or Movid or, anyway, something like that. And uh, a lot of people enjoyed different activities. You just mentioned it. Did that... How did that affect the industry as a whole, not just Polaris, but just the industry as a whole? Because I know a lot of people were figuring out, hey, wait a second. I, I really need something else I need to do here instead of find the end of the Internet. It was
1: amazing uh, for the industry, uh, for the RV industry, for the marine industry, for the power sports industry. The growth we seen was we, we took the pie and made it 20 percent larger we gained an amazing amount of riders. And what we see there is the spinoff as it continues today, that new riders bring with them new riders. So the more people you introduce to the sport and more people you introduce to the recreation out there, the more people are comfortable bringing their friends out and their friends try it. And all of a sudden they're buying toys. And all of a sudden we have a, we have a big group of people now that are going out and having fun on the weekend instead of sitting in their backyard, wondering what they're going to do. So out of covid came a wonderful growth of new riders which is excellent for the industry as a whole
0: it was funny i was uh i was speaking to another sledder and it was during the probably the height of of the old covid and uh i said are you are you really getting out there a lot and he says well you know, I can either look at the inside of my house for most of winter, or I can see stuff that people haven't even seen before, and and it was it really brought it home of why people kind of just migrated towards the outdoor activities and in all facets, and and snowmobiling was was one of them, and uh, I I couldn't get over, he's right, there's there's a lot of stuff that people didn't see and and points and areas that uh, people just don't touch, so it's it's pretty cool sport actually. Yeah, there's. Uh,
1: I think BCsf has about sixty snowmobile clubs across British Columbia right now that they support. So geographically spaced out, and the riding terrain that we have in British Columbia is world class. We are by far, you know, the the best riding and territorial riding that you can find. Uh, you can get out to the ice caps in Pemberton. You can do some amazing riding up in the back countries, you know, north of Smithers, north of Terrace. Uh, into there's uh, McBride and Valmont are obviously destinations that are shared by our, our Alberta neighbors who love to come over and ride there. And Revelstoke is one that any snowbiller in the world will, you know, will call the epicenter. They love mountain riding in revelstoke uh people from all over the world travel to to come ride there so we're just blessed that we're that close to all this wonderful riding uh here in Kelowna. the Automobile club does a fantastic job of getting out and bringing people out and the Grey Stokes is unbelievable riding uh, really good riding for family riding uh, for new riders because it doesn't have the aggressiveness of rebel stoke so uh, like other sports you can enter into it and play at one level and start playing uh, you know start playing a little bit easier we'll say and as you grow in your your talents and your strengths and you want to continue to challenge yourself you can find new ride terrain and find new ride areas and that's where you start to to move into the places Revelstoke stoke and golden and you get into that riding as well so we're really lucky here in the okanagan to to, to have all of that riding around us.
0: So we talked a bit about the growth of the sales, but I would imagine in, in a lot of these areas, districts like Vailmont and, and various areas like that, that there has to be a bit of a bump economically when, when these snowmobilers arrive on mass with, uh, <laughs> when they're traveling around, like, I mean, they are, they're showing up and I know that, uh, I know I've enjoyed the odd steak and and uh, wobbly pop beverage after riding, of course. Um, but I'm just wondering if, if if there's any kind of study or economic impact.
1: The BCSF actually ran a study uh, a couple of years ago where they marked the economic impact of British Columbia at 300 million dollars. So, from that, they said there was roughly 22 million dollars in tax money generated. And that's our tax money that goes to support all the wonderful things that our taxes buy. So without snowmobiling, uh, our British Columbia is $22 million less, uh, About 4,000 jobs is what they estimate snowmobiling supports in the province. So when you think about the impact of 4,000 jobs and the spider effect of that on different families, that's a big market. So
0: big industry. So what do you mean though? Is that through the sales of the snowmobiles or the visiting tourism? Like what, what are we talking about here though? What they were gathering was information on the
1: economic impact of the industry. So when you think of town of Revelstoke mm-hmm. in the winter, uh, restaurants, hotels, uh, people working, you know, people working to support the, the vehicles themselves in, in maintenance shops, in the dealerships. Uh, when you look across the province, you know, the, the dealerships that Polaris has, the dealerships that our competitors have, uh, the families that they support, the technicians that are working there, the salespeople that are working there. So you add that up and it quickly adds up to where their, their estimate was over 4,000 jobs.
0: So let's bring this one home a little bit. Uh, you have a family. Um, I would say having met the family, spent time with the family, they're all in on on the lifestyle of off-roading as well snowmobiling and everything else how how is that for you as a dad to see the family come together because uh you know i i know a lot of people don't think about it as as kind of a family sport but it truly can be so what kind of impact have you seen with your with your kids
1: it's great to having two teenage daughters uh, and a wife that loves riding more than I do, quite honestly. Uh, she, she's, she's the push to get out there and let's go snowmobiling every, you know, each day of every day. Uh, it's fantastic to get out there with the family and you do something where you're not looking over and seeing your phone, you know, seeing your kids sitting on the phone or seeing your kids in front of a television or in front of a laptop, all of a sudden they're out there learning some life skills when you're out there in nature and, you know, you're, you're playing and you're getting an understanding of what's out there in the world and meeting new people and how you can interact with new people when you're out in the hill. And it brings far more of a social aspect and really rounds out, uh, a person when you can understand that you're out there, having an adrenaline rush. You can get that, you can get that from it. Uh, as I say, you can get the learning of just being in nature trying to figure out some survival skills if you ever need to have those Uh, say we get stuck out there one day it's always fun to prepare for that and it it really does bring a family unit together
0: and in doing so brings you into a larger social network which is the fun part of it yeah I've had I've met certain families that if they book into a three-star like I mean that is survival skills at its (laughs) finest so let's talk a bit about the the aspect of that troubleshooting so I've as, as you know, uh, going out in in the bush and getting lost is kind of fun. And with uh, with my son and daughter, what I've noticed is, if given, you know, when they have an issue, uh, and and let's face it, off roading, you're going to have the issues the odd time. It's interesting to to kind of challenge them to figure out, okay, how are you going to figure this out? How are you going to get out? Because dad can probably figure this out, but I'd like it if if you do, and it's. I love the fact that uh, my son is is thinking about traveling uh, because travel and, and getting lost doesn't scare him. And I think that's the cool part about this aspect is for parents listening, I mean, it's truly one of those things where you don't, a lot of kids don't have the chance to really show what they're they're made of. And, and this is a, a way for them to do that.
1: Oh, absolutely. The fun you can have when you go riding some trails and you know, all of a sudden, turn to your daughter and go, okay, which way are we going? And that blank stare comes over them until they realize you're not going to tell them. They're going to have to figure this out.
0: Yeah. And 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 it's from directional to getting a tire stuck in the mud or something like that. Like you have to figure out, okay, what, where are you going to winch to? Uh, okay, we have a flat tire or or whatever it is. You, How are we going to do this? All those
1: aspects come up. It's great. Uh, you know, we'll laugh and say that we don't go snowmobiling. You, you don't really understand snowmobiling until you get stuck, and then you learn to get unstuck. And that's part of the fun and the challenge of it is you're you know, you're pushing your riding limits and find yourself upside down in the snowbank and you gotta figure out how to right yourself and get back out of it. That's a wonderful thing to see kids when they start to learn how to do that and help each other doing that you know you you're working in a you're working as teams so always good to see siblings do that and we've had the odd instance where tires went out when they're riding and have to change a tire that's a fun little aspect of it when you challenge them to do that so it does bring a you know it does bring about a lot of those life skills where kids have to think and it's wonderful to watch them do that
0: and it's cool to see their faces when they discover they can do it, and and that and that when the the light bulb goes on and they go, man, because it, it's adverse conditions, and and they're able to do that. And man, do they ever sleep well when they have to dig out a snowmobile? <laughs> <laughs> so I I don't I don't want to turn this into an ad, but how how does one across the board, not just Polaris, but what what kind of uh, if people are looking at purchasing, and and whether it be used or new or whatever, what kinds of things uh, should they be looking for? What, what kinds of things should they be should they be doing?
1: One of the best things any consumer can do is go into their local dealerships and start building that relationship with the local salespeople, because the local salespeople are there to help you as a consumer find you know find the right product for you. A good salesperson does their job when they find the right product to ride. Uh, we build some amazing machines. We build machines that have price points that are now in excess of $50,000 MSRP. Not everybody needs that. Uh, it would be like saying that everybody needs a lifted up three quarter ton turbo truck or needs a Lamborghini. That's not the case. Uh, we build a vast array of units that meet the needs. Of the individuals but the key there is to have that relationship at your dealership and have that understanding with the people who are in the industry to make sure that you get into that right unit um, that's where you know and that's the importance of having
0: these local dealerships in in the communities okay so we had this massive growth in the marketplace over covid and is it still growing or did people kind of go, wow, I've got three or four machines and now I'm going to slow it down. Like, what are you guys seeing as far as a trending go?
1: The industry is backing up a little bit right now. Part of that, the large majority of that is due to supply chain challenges. I'm not sure if you heard that, but there's been some issues in the supply chain here lately, uh, throughout the world. So like auto, like appliance, like pretty much anything that uses chips, uh, the power sports industry is affected by that. So the amount of product that we as manufacturer, and I'm speaking for all manufacturers in, in this challenge is getting product out into dealers hands. So and it's a challenge that's going to continue. I mean, as we started to add Bluetooth to connect pretty much everything, you know, including a roll of toilet paper to let us know that our toilet paper's out. You get a Bluetooth alert on that. Uh, when you start chasing chips, uh, to that extent,
0: the, the the world has a little bit of a challenge and it, and it
1: translates into the products that we build.
0: Well, you probably don't get any feedback in regards to uh, shipments or late shipments or like... I this is probably all new. <laughs> no. Haven't heard a thing about any shipping in issues uh, across the industry, certainly. so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but how do you manage that? Because, you know, as a dealership, obviously, if if I don't have machines, I, I need machines. And so do I just keep ringing up Corey and, and just uh, hammering Corey kind of thing? Well, some people think that that's the way to do it, <laughs> but it doesn't work that
1: well. <laughs> if you okay. wanted a machine made of wood, I might be able to help you out. <laughs> uh, No, the, the process that we've seen and across the industry seeing is a turn to become more of a pre-sold situation. And like the auto industry, where you're coming in and you're ordering your truck in advance and you're sitting sometimes patiently, sometimes impatiently waiting for it to arrive. Um, you're now coming in and ordering your Ranger or your Polaris Razor, or your ATV you will be coming in and pre-ordering it. And, you know, as an industry, we're doing a pretty good job of getting that into the hands of the consumers in the 30, 60, 90 day window. One of the advantages of course is, is you're now bringing in a product that you really wanted. Uh, you're now getting the color you wanted. You're now getting the right model you wanted, as opposed to retail in years past where you were going in and you were purchasing a unit because it was sitting there. Um, so it does, it does help the consumer in some aspects to, to have the situation in the market right now. Uh, you know, snowmobiling, we've, we've done an incredible job of selling in the spring and delivering in the fall. It's, it's something that, you know, we've ran as a program in, in Polaris for years and so do our competitors run that, that it's a pre-sold, pre-sold, uh, program in the spring. And as I say, you custom order your, your snowmobile and it gets there for, for fall or in the fall and ready for the winter program. So
0: we've adapted as an industry and, and keep keep adapting as the industry changes. So how awesome is your life? Because <laughs> you get to sell machines, you get to ride machines, call it research or whatever you want to call it. But is it is it as good as I think it is? Some days it is. <laughs> A couple of days ago,
1: I had the joy of taking some of the NHL fellows that are out here honing their skills, uh, took them up the hill for the first time ever on a, on an off road ride and watching them. They were like a bunch of kids uh, and they had their phones out, taking selfies, you know, taking big smiling shots, uh, getting like, uh, They were getting, let's put it that way, when they're sitting in the side of the side of the razor and may or not have been, you know, driving at an excessive speed down the trail, having a blast, uh, you know, watching these folks sit there and uh, grab onto the handle that we refer to as the holy something there handle as, as we're turning corners and having some fun and catching some air. So when you get to do that, the you know, job's fantastic. The other thing I can tell people is I can spreadsheet. You put me in an office chair and I can spreadsheet a whole bunch. So that's the other part of this, uh, this wonderful job and industry that we have that, uh, people, it's not quite as, uh, as exciting as you think. Um, you know, sometimes the, the mechanic has a broken car and sometimes the carpenter has a house that isn't built and sometimes the Polaris guy
0: doesn't get to ride as much as he wants. So, okay, so let's, so let's say we're all going out for a ride um, and I want to take side by sides, ATVs, and uh, we're just going to go have a, a really good time. I What areas do I want to target that are, you know, maybe within a couple hours of the house or something like that? Because... For me, I'm just trying to, you know, kids want to travel, but not very far. So any areas, and, and again, you can ride any machine, but what, what what areas do I want to go to? I'd say the first thing
1: you want to do if you're brand new to the industry and you don't know where you're riding is make sure you work with your local dealers uh, to find out where the right riding areas are. Because there are areas uh, that are accessible with our vehicles, that you are not to be riding in uh, provincial parks, different boundaries. So you have to be respectful of that. Have to be respectful of the environment, riding environment, where you go. We're so fortunate here in the Okanagan. We have amazing riding all around us. Uh, if. You know, cited as the best riding areas in British Columbia. We have Bear Creek is a real popular one here in West Kelowna, uh, a lot of off-road riding going on there. Uh, the Shoot Lake Lodge plays host to a wonderful riding area and the people at the Shoot Lake Lodge doing an awesome job of, of hosting up there. If you haven't been up to the Shoot Lake Lodge, shout out to them, try and get up to the Shoot Lake Lodge and check that place out. It, it's spectacular. The burgers are fantastic. Um, you know, if you're Vernon area, Becker Lake is great. Allendale Lake down in Okanagan Falls, uh, Inks Lake up in Kamloops. Um, a lot of the a lot of the areas. If you go check out the the local riding clubs, they can point you in the right direction and get you out in the trails to where you want to go and and where you want to challenge yourself and and bring you out there safely and
0: bring you back home safely. So let's say I have this neighbor. Uh, he's in a wheelchair and he loves clearing snow. Um, and he clears snow every winter. I think he really quite likes uh, plowing his neighbors. So, um, if if <laughs> and uh, what's interesting though is is the blade thing and the snow removal thing has become a thing. And and I know a lot of <laughs> I I do laugh whenever I see a guy out there just whizzing around and, and removing snow and you know just the biggest grins on their face. Is it work? I don't think so, but. Um, but it just seems to be a, a thing in the winter, especially because we do get snow. But uh, are, are blades and moving snow becoming a bigger part of your industry? Only if you want to become the most popular guy
1: in your neighborhood. <laughs> if you're into that, uh, you like to have people dropping stuff up at your door randomly, uh, cookies, bottles of wine, boxes of beer. It's a terrific way to earn neighbor friends. Uh, no, it really, it really has become... Uh, a great excuse to go out and buy a machine yeah. is trade in your snow shovel and purchase an ATV or a side by side. Put a snow shovel on that, boom! You're instantly popular in your neighborhood, and you're having way more fun, and you're far more efficient. Yeah, yeah, that's not, and you're saving your back. I mean, wonderful
0: reasons to go out and buy a new toy to play with and push snow around. Well, if you uh, if you plow the neighbor really well, I, I bet you they'll come back and ask you to do it again. Oh, I'll tell you. I, Door is never uh doors never not knocked down in the winter so let's put it that way so th- those that are uninitiated and maybe haven't uh, looked at uh Polaris porn lately um there's a few amenities that I, I think would shock people like that creature comforts that come in <laughs> in side by sides and and I've seen you know re- like decked out machines and I've seen you know, basic machines, but, but how many things can I bolt onto this thing to make it like almost basically a Lexus inside? Like what, what, what kinds of stuff can I get?
1: The limitations to the accessories that we have are almost limitless. If you want to laugh at that one. You really have to go no further than the interweb to find some really cool stuff that you can bolt onto your machine. Uh, you start seeing the accessorizing, especially down in the southern U.S., uh, That is a, that becomes the personality trait. Uh, if you look at the level of customization in the U.S., the southern U.S., in the dunes, it's unbelievable what people are doing to these things. When you start talking sound systems, uh, lift kits, tires, uh, accessories that you know, whatever you want to do, if you want to go, you know, if you're rock climbing, if you're desert riding, if you're out in the bush, if you're pulling trees, pulling logs, we're great at pulling logs, by the way, we have a lot of ads in the industry that f- our machines pulling logs. Um, you can go out there and find pretty much anything to get you out there riding storage wise, coolers, uh, anything that makes it more comfortable to get out there and back, we can find
0: that for you. Really? So I want uh, I want a speaker bar, I want uh, Bluetooth obviously, I want a lift kit, I want bigger tires. Can I get more turbos? Oh, definitely you need to get more turbos. <laughs> okay, yeah. you know,
1: we're definitely pushing the limits on, uh, on, we're getting in, we're getting into a lot of fun when it, when it gets to accessorizing machines, that's for sure. Uh, you know, sound, sound and light is really sound light and tires are, are three big, three big areas that we really push and see a lot of growth in, uh, cause it's just something awesome about riding out there with the right. Do you know that if you play AC/DC in the right song, you get a five extra horsepower on any
0: machine you're riding? I've, that's scientific I've fact. I've that. Scientific I've fact. Um, I was in, uh, Montana and a guy rolled up on his, uh, side by side and he had a license plate on it, which was shocking to me and, and a sidearm, but anyway, what uh, is <laughs> what, uh, is that, is that street legal? Like in certain districts, I would imagine. Certain municipalities,
1: you, you will see some deviation to it, but for the large part in British Columbia, no, uh, you, you're not street legal on our vehicles.
0: So each manufacturer may or may not have a story, and and let's talk a bit about Polaris's story. and And I don't know if you know the story. I'm hoping you know the story, but is there a, is there any kind of birth of Polaris story that we need to hear? Uh, Polaris really started, as I say, back
1: in in Minnesota, Roseau, Minnesota. Uh, the Johnsons and Edgar Hatine were the three individuals that started building snowmobiles, and one can have a. Over the table debate over who built the first snowmobile—if that was our good friends in Valdor, Quebec, the Bombardiers, or it was Polaris—both uh, laid claim to the first snowmobile. Not sure we'll ever find out who wins that one. But uh, sitting there and listening to some of the old stories really, you know, brings to light the fun these guys were having. Uh, had an amazing evening one uh, years back with David Johnson, one of the founding fathers of Polaris, and over over a couple of cold malt liquors. We were listening to a few of his stories. Uh, One of my favorites, of course, was uh, one of our team members asked David, David, do you remember when the first snowmobile race happened? And David sat back, took a second and looked at us and said, well, it was right after we built the second snowmobile. (laughs)
0: Well, here we are at the end of the show. Uh, kind of flew by. And thanks for coming into the big show. Uh, and thank you, listeners, for listening. Hopefully we, uh, we added something uh, insight into the old side-by-side OTR world. Is it OTR? Uh, no, it's
1: ORV, but super <laughs> close. Just don't get caught up in the semantics and the lettering.
0: I'm not an acronym guy. I never have been. <laughs> We're very good at it. <laughs> Uh, thanks again to, uh, Corey Davidson for coming in and sharing some time on the big show and, uh, yeah, I'll have to get you back on at some point and I, I have to do more research. There, there's no way around that. I have to do more research on this, on this big subject.
1: Well, we can probably help you out there, Rick. Uh, you know, we do have weekends coming up.